Welcome back to another episode of the Healed by Faith podcast. This is Clark Varon, and we are currently talking about a spiritual path to healing. Now, so far we've covered the first four steps in the spiritual path to healing. The first one is faith. We must first believe. It's so often our lack of belief or the hindrance of doubt that gets in the way of us receiving a healing miracle. So we have to believe with all of our hearts, just like everyone else who Jesus healed, he would send them away and tell them, hey, your faith has made you well. And it wasn't just faith in God. It was faith in Christ. It was faith in the fact that Jesus could heal them, not just God. Because these people, remember, they were Jews. They were praying to God when they believed in Christ, that Christ could heal them then it could be as simple as them touching their cloak and they received a miracle healing that took away all of their hemorrhages instantly, right? So things like that. So the first step was faith. The second step after faith is humility. Once we acknowledge, hey, Jesus, you can do this for me, is we actually have to surrender ourselves and say, hey, I can't do this on my own. And for me in my personal journey, when I kept fighting on my own, that is what blocked me the most was I thought that I had to do something. I thought that God wanted something for me. And what we're going to learn in this section on grace is going to be that it's actually not so much about what you do, but what you don't do uh, that is going to be able to help you manifest that healing miracle. So second step is humility. Are you completely surrendered to Jesus Christ? Do you humble yourself to the point where you acknowledge, hey, I can't do this on my own and I need you. The third step was repentance. Now remember, repentance is where you actually begin cleansing your body of your sin. You're bringing your sin before God and you're now renewing your mind. And as you continue to renew your mind, you continue to fill it with other good stuff. And that's that's why reading the Bible is so important is because you begin to understand how does God want us to think? How does he want us to act? And the more you are in alignment with how God wants you to think and feel and act throughout your everyday life, uh, the more you're going to be able to receive that miracle healing. So we have faith, we have humility, we have repentance, and then we have forgiveness, right? And forgiveness is almost like a part two to repentance because forgiveness is also about cleansing sin but it's about not even cleansing your own sins but it's about cleansing the sins of others that you are holding on to because as long as you are angry at your brother or your sister or your neighbor then you are holding on to sin that's not even yours it's not even yours to begin with they committed the sin and now you are suffering the consequences for that and that's one of the reasons why God is saying like, hey, if you want to come to me, you want to give a gift to me, uh, first leave it at the altar and then take care of the forgiveness that you need to give to your brother, your sister, your mother, um, and then come back and then offer your gift, right? It's like, don't ask me for forgiveness if you're not willing to give forgiveness. Remember, God is a fair and just God. And so it kind of makes sense. He's like, hey, you want something of me that you're not even willing to give to your neighbor? Why should I give it to you, right? So those are a two, that's a two-parter. Uh, the repentance and the forgiveness go together. You first repent so that you may acknowledge before God what you have done wrong. And then you forgive others to release their sin and so that God can more fully forgive you. Now, we've done a lot of work. That's a lot of really deep 
internal work where you have to rebuild your mind through faith. You have to humble yourself, which is so hard. It's so difficult to surrender. It's so much easier said than done. We have to repent and dig into all of our past traumas, every single trauma that we have, anything that still causes fear or doubt or harm in our minds. We have to dig into those, acknowledge them, bring them to the surface and heal them. The step four of forgiveness is the same thing. It's just not just things we did by ourselves, but things that we did with our relationships. And now step five is where we start to turn a corner. Now, this is an eight-step process. This is the beginning of part two of the healing process. The first four steps are about digging away spiritual junk, right? Lack of faith is spiritual junk. Pride is spiritual junk. Our sins, spiritual junk. Our unforgiveness is spiritual junk. This now is the beginning of actually receiving grace. This is the beginning of things getting a lot easier and it's a turning point, it's an inflection point on the healing journey where up until now it's like we've been digging deep, deep, deep into our subconscious, deep into our feelings, deep into our thoughts and whatnot. Now we're starting to rise out and just be even more in the light. Now, the pinnacle of receiving grace, the, the epitome of all of this is receiving the Holy Spirit. It is having the Spirit of Christ living inside of you. And so I want to share with you first the story of how I ended up receiving the Holy Ghost. Uh, now, I had been, I was in the woods, I had been fasting and praying and doing all of the work that I could of trying to surrender and, you know, trying to I was trying to heal myself on my own for a really long time, but I had done a lot of the forgiveness, a lot of the repentance and all that stuff. And then when I went into the woods um, and began to pray, it was very clear to me that I had to more fully surrender. And that moment that I decided I am not going to try to do this on my own anymore, the moment that I threw all of the medicine tools and everything that I had learned away and completely depended fully on Christ was the night that I received this massive angel healing. And literally, I, I was that night, I was not in a super great condition still. I was seven days fasted. I felt skinny. I felt weak. I was super cold. It was freezing outside. And angels literally came down and they descended on me. And they began to literally just suck the disease out of me, just like a Dementor in Harry Potter. And for three hours, I laid there just receiving, just receiving the healing. I didn't have to do anything. It was out of complete grace that these angels came down and began to heal me. It was completely the love of Christ. It was completely because I followed the steps that he wants. And so there's going to be a five-step process that I want to introduce you to in order to receive the Holy Ghost. Um, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a preview of it right now, but we'll dig deeper in, into it in the future, is I had to do a few things. One of them is I had to fully surrender Jesus Christ. I had to stop thinking that I was going to heal myself, and I had to acknowledge that he was the only thing powerful enough to heal me. The second thing is I had to completely renew my mind. This means that any thoughts that I had were actually that were not in alignment with God uh, that were not righteous thoughts were actually blocking my healing. So there was one time when I was receiving this healing in the middle of this like three hour healing where I thought to myself, I was like, oh my gosh, my sister is never going to be able to understand this because she's not spiritually attuned enough. Now, my sister had previously, not long before this, been accusing me of being schizophrenic, uh, which, 
you know, I understand why she was saying that, but it's like she doesn't get it. You know, she would never believe this because she's not spiritually tuned enough. Now that pride immediately blocked my healing. And so the angels literally left me. I had to repent for that pride for a long time, like several minutes before the angels came back and the healing continued. There was another time when I thought, okay, well, geez, I might actually be healed in time um, in order to go visit my friend who's going to be in the Bahamas, you know, sailing. It's like, maybe I should go sailing. And in that lack of commitment towards my spiritual path of following Christ and deciding, hey, I'm going to go do the fun things that I want to do for my life and on my own. Um, once again, the healing stopped. I had to recommit myself to Christ, which actually brings us to step three in this process of receiving the Holy Ghost, which is to completely commit your entire life to Christ. Now, the other thing that was happening that night as I was receiving that right before that miracle healing was I was thinking about the new life that I was going to live. I stopped trying to design my own life my own pursuits, my own entrepreneurial ambitions and dreams and wealth and all of that stuff. And I began to just wonder, God, what is the life that you have for me? And I was completely committed. I was like, every anything you want, whatever you want to do with me, you can, you can do to me or with me. Um, and it was a complete commitment at a cellular level when I finally, in a basically in like a half dream state, I was thinking about, I can't wait to save other people. I mean, I can't wait to do this work. When I genuinely wanted to serve Christ, not because I felt like I had to to receive this healing, but because I genuinely wanted to, that's when the breath of air, a rush of wind, was forced down into my lungs and a crack happened that ended up breaking the curse. And I now know that was the day that I, or the moment that I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, because the Hebrew word, by the way, for Holy Spirit is like breath or wind. Um, and in the uh, book of Acts, the the disciples all receive the Holy Ghost as a rushing gust of wind. So now I knew, man, that was the moment that I received my, the Holy Ghost. What it took was full surrender to Jesus Christ, completely renewing my mind, and then committing my life to him. He gives the Holy Ghost to people who are diligent disciples committed to spreading the word, spreading his word, right? And then after that, after we receive the Holy Ghost, the last and final step is to persist until the end. Now, it is true that if you stop acting righteously, the Holy Ghost isn't going to live in unholy temples. It can flee from you. And so you need to actually uh, make sure that once you receive the Holy Ghost, you're continuing to live a life in alignment with Christ. So that was actually a little bit more detail than I wanted to dive into right then and there regarding the five steps. But hey, at least you understand um, the five steps to receiving the Holy Ghost, which is how you get the miracle healing that you're looking for. It's, it is those three leading up steps, fully surrender, renewing your mind, committing your life to Christ. That's when you can receive the miracle healing. And I'm living proof of that. You know, I, I, I experienced this for myself. This is also what the Bible says. Now, one of the things that I want to point out is that everyone in the Bible who did this work and was healed by Christ, the, the people who were in the toughest places ended up being the ones who experienced the most grace. Now, think about like the Gerasene uh, demoniac. There was one guy who was living out in the tombs and he was like sleeping in the tombs and 
uh, full of demons, you know, like he had some superhuman strength where people tried to restrain him with with chains and he would just break through those chains. I mean, this guy was seriously possessed. He ended up having hundreds or maybe even thousands of demons that Jesus cast from him into like a herd of swine that ended up running into the sea and the swine like all ended up committing suicide. But there were either hundreds or thousands of demons in this guy. He was so tormented, so tortured that when Jesus finally healed him, when he experienced the grace of Christ, he just wanted to follow him. He was like, I just want to be around you. Like, thank you so much. He felt like he had this huge debt to pay Christ. And it's not like Christ wanted anything from him. But Jesus knew that, hey, when I heal this guy, he's going to become one of my biggest advocates. So this demoniac, he's like begging Jesus, like, please let me follow you. Let me be one of your disciples. He's like, no, I'm not going to let you be one of my disciples. You're going to stay here in this town and you're going to spread the word about me so people hear about me, right? And so the people of the town, they saw what Jesus had done and they were freaked out. They're like, how on earth were you able to heal this demoniac? And they asked him to leave because they just simply did not understand it. So Jesus left knowing that this garrison demoniac was going to be a mega fan and that guy that demoniac spent the rest of spent the rest of his life spreading the word of Christ for him and so when we be, when we fall that far we end up becoming Jesus's like biggest fans and God is able to use us in miraculous ways and he gives us like even more love and even more responsibility because of that love um, in order to follow him. And it's so beautiful. It's very much like a trampoline. Like the harder that we fall, the higher that we can rise. Now let's look at another story. There's Mary Magdalene. Um, Mary Magdalene had seven demons inside of her. Well, she ended up being the woman who perhaps loved Jesus the most. In fact, she might have been the disciple that loved Jesus the most. I know she's not one of the 12 because she's not a man, but she traveled with him and took care of him and she basically counts. So anyways, Mary Magdalene uh, was the first person to find out that Jesus had resurrected. Why? Because she was the first person to go to his tomb and start to take care of Jesus's body. She found out, hey, Jesus, Jesus's body was missing. And so she saw the angel that ended up telling her, hey, Jesus has risen. Now go tell the other disciples that Jesus has risen. So what a, what a beautiful gift given to Mary Magdalene. Why did she receive that beautiful gift? It's because she loved Jesus so much that she was, she was the first person to go visit his body after the crucifixion. And it's because of the amount of grace and the love that she felt from Jesus that allowed her to love him so much and to love others and to follow him so diligently. This is why Jesus said, hey, blessed are the poor in spirit. In fact, I'm going to read the whole thing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus said, blessed are all these people who we wouldn't normally consider to be blessed, but they are blessed because it's through that pain and it's through that suffering that we end up discovering that grace. And the worse of a place that we're in, the more grace that we have 
to be able to receive from him, the more love we can feel from him, which actually develops us into even stronger followers. Now, Jesus explained this in another parable when he went to this one Pharisee's house. There was a sinful woman who came into the house and began washing his feet with her tears and anointing his feet with oil. And so uh, this is what the Bible says. This is in Luke 7, we're reading starting with Luke 7, uh, 38, right? So she, the sinful woman, stood behind him at his feet weeping and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had invited him to dinner, right, saw that it was him, that they saw this, they saw the sinful woman touching Jesus. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him and that she is a sinner. But Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor. So basically the Pharisee is like, hey, this sinful woman shouldn't be touching Jesus. Like if Jesus is a righteous man, this sinful woman is like making him dirty, right? And Jesus is correcting them by saying a certain creditor had two debtors. So think about this. We are the debtors. We are the people who owe something to God, right? God is the creditor here. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts of both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? So there's two people. One of them owed 50 denarii, another 500. So one owed 10 times as much as the other person. And Simon answers, I suppose the one who he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then then turn... Turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. He's speaking to the Pharisee. I entered your house, Pharisee. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time that I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one whom little is forgiven, loves little. And then he turned. To, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And so this is a reminder that the more, the worse of a place that we are in, in our life, the harder of a situation that we are in right now, it actually can turn out to be the greatest gift of your entire life. Because when you do this work, when you fully surrender to Christ, when you completely renew your mind, when you completely commit to living life for Jesus Christ, not the life that you want to live, but living life for him, that's when you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that can bring you back up from the depths of where you are and lift you back up so that you are living in total alignment with God's will for you. The greater the debt that we have, the greater the debt that can be canceled, which leads to the greater love that we can experience. And the more love that we experience because of the grace of Christ, the more love that we have to give. It's so imperative for us to actually feel that grace of Christ because that is that grace is 
what allows us to do the important work of repenting of our sins and and actually receiving receiving after we repent and then also learning how to forgive others because if we don't have that grace to be able if we haven't experienced that grace it becomes really hard for us to forgive others but once we experience the grace of Christ's forgiveness for us acknowledging that he hung on the cross and prayed for us father please forgive them for they do not know what they are doing that is the level of grace that Jesus has for us and when we feel that grace in the core of our being then we're able to give that grace as well and so I encourage you, as you are going through this journey, as you're going through, if you are in the warrior phase right now, if you are in a moment of spiritual warfare, this is the beginning of the transition into the lover phase. There's a really good book written by uh, John Eldridge. It's called Fathered by God. He's one of my favorite Christian authors. And he talks about the stages of spiritual development. And um, the Fathered by God is specifically for a book for men. Uh, but he talks about, but it, it, it's pretty accurate for women as well, I think. He starts off with boyhood, and he's like, at this point, your job is only just to be loved. And then we've got this cowboy phase, you know, where we're growing up, and we go through adolescence, and we're getting in trouble and stuff. And then we go from cowboy into this warrior phase, where God really starts to develop who we are, and he starts to challenge us, and he gives us these spiritual challenges to help us grow with him. And once we grow with him, then we can move into the lover phase. And the lover phase is how we actually break free from the warrior phase. If we stay in spiritual warfare all the time, we're not receiving God's grace. Our job is to receive and acknowledge the grace of Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. And it's by acknowledging that that we're able to start experiencing the lover phase where we experience the beauty of, of everything that is around us, the beauty of God's creation, of his nature, and especially of his love and grace, and this incredible story of Jesus Christ that gives us hope. And so with that said, I want to close on one final quote from the Bible. This is Romans 5, uh, Romans chapters 5, verses 1 through 5. This quote gave me so much hope, so much persistence on my path to grace as I was breaking free from the warrior phase and into the lover phase. I had to reread this quote many times over. This is Paul writing, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. He's saying justified by our faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have obtained access to this grace. It's through Jesus Christ that we obtain access and that we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of Christ. And not only that, he's not only saying, hey, we not only boast in the peace and the grace that we have, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. I'm going to reread that one more time because it's so powerful. So not only are we justified through our faith and our grace, but we boast in our suffering, 
knowing that suffering produces endurance. It is that pain that we have had to go through that produces the endurance of we have to keep going through it, right? And by persisting to go through it, it produces character. It changes who we are. And that character produces hope. That character renews our mind in Christ to focus more on the light and less on the darkness that is surrounding us. And even though it feels like it's crushing us sometimes, when we endure through it, our character develops, producing hope, and that hope does not disappoint us. That hope does not disappoint us because love's God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. When we do this work, we receive so much grace and so much love poured into us through the Holy Ghost. That is the process of receiving grace. After you have done the work of digging down and repenting for your sins, after you've done the work of forgiving others, after you've done the work of not only having faith in Christ, but surrendering to him, and committing your entire life to him in a humble fashion, when you've done all of that, this is the point where you just need to stop and you just need to receive God's grace, where you just need to be in, sit in his presence. You literally just need to sit in his presence and receive. Sit in meditation, open your hands up to the sky and acknowledge the presence of God and acknowledge everything that he has done for you. Acknowledge all of the forgiveness that he has given you through your entire path and just receive it all. You've done the work. You've, you've done the work of healing yourself. Now it's through that receipt of grace that it is complete. All right, let's close this out with a prayer. Dear Lord, I know that so many people who are hearing this right now are in different stages of their spiritual development. Some people are only just beginning and they still have the work to do of repentance and forgiveness. And I ask you that through that process that you sit with them in your grace and you guide them with grace throughout the entire way. And through your grace, we acknowledge that the difficult times, those are there to shape us. Those are there in order for us to build our character and grow through endurance so that we may boast in this hope that comes at the end of all of this work, this internal work to become more like Christ, to become diligent followers of Christ who have fully surrendered their their ability to heal themselves and their will to live uh, to Christ, to live in his footsteps. And then there are some people who are currently in the spiritual warfare stage right now who want to break free, who are suffering from the pain that is spiritual warfare or suffering from disease and they need to receive your grace right now please remind them that after they have done this work of forgiveness done this work of repentance done this work of faith and humility that the job is to actually sit in your presence and to give themselves the time to receive that grace to receive the spiritual light into their body so it may heal them and may do the healing work on them to perform the healing miracle that they need. And to do this, it takes time. It takes time to just simply receive that grace and to simply receive that light. And that as long as we stay busy, we can actually be blocking that healing miracle. We need to persist in our prayers and, re and give ourselves the ability to simply just receive. And there are some people who've been walking with the Holy Spirit for a really long time Please remind them that the work from here on out is simply to persist until the end. Help them 
to every single day pick up the cross and recommit themselves to you, to your path, to become more surrendered to you, living for you, living like you, and to let that grace that they have received, let it not be covered up by a basket, but put it on the mountaintop and to allow them to become bigger lights in the world so it may lead other people on this path of grace as well. Dear Lord, in your name we pray. Thank you so much for the miracles that you're performing in everybody's life, um, in the day-to-day and the healing miracles that you're performing in people's lives through this ministry. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, the next section after we receive this grace is to actually give it and share it. That's what we're going to be talking about in the next part of the Spiritual Path to Healing series. All right, see you in the next episode. Hey, this is the Healed by Faith podcast with Clark Barron. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate having you here, and I'm so happy that you are on your walk with Christ right now. And as you continue your day or you close your day out, Um, I'd like to ask you to think of somebody who needs to hear this message right now. You know, part of our healing journey, as we're going to be covering in the next episode, is giving. It's actually sharing this grace. And so if you share this with somebody else, it can actually help you on your own healing journey. And that's God's plan for us. Like he wants us to become disciples who create other disciples. And one of the best ways to create other disciples is by sharing messages like this. So Who needs to hear this message right now? Send it off to somebody, share it with them, and I'll see you in the next episode when we talk about step number five, giving.